No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome back to another edition of Banal of America. Uh, looking forward to tonight's episode. As I teased at the end of last week's show, for those of you who listened, we'll get to that in a minute, too. <laughs> um, uh, you know, everyone's in a tizzy about all this UFO stuff, and it's like, oh, I don't want to even deal with this. I have no interest in dissecting this 60 Minutes thing or, uh, you know, parsing over clues that might be in Jacques Vallée's new book. And everyone's just all worked up about UFOs. It's like, no, 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 relax. So I want to go in a completely different direction. And uh, as I was saying at the end of last week's show, as I explained to tonight's guest, and what I, did, <laughs> what I didn't tell him when I was booking the show is that I really felt like I needed a big-time guest because it turns out I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk about the flat earth. So, 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 so uh, a lot of, we really, uh, really, with the exception of Zach Copley last week, uh, the, the chat room was like a ghost town. Um, and uh, it was, was kind of pretty low, if you, call, if you call them ratings, I don't know, a low-rated episode. So I'm like, i got to come back with a big-time guest. I need a big-time guest. So into, into the breach steps uh, the incomparable Greg Newkirk. Of hell your fame. He's also behind the. Uh, he and his wife do. Uh, he and his wife Dana Newkirk do the traveling museum of the paranormal and occult, and uh, they got all kinds of stuff. They've been. They've been. They're kind of like me. They've been in this for a long, long time. So uh, that that that's what I like about them. They've they've seen it all. They've they've done a lot of stuff. They've traveled all over the place. Um, they've experienced all kinds of stuff, and uh, you know he's got wisdom to share, and uh, we always have a good laugh. When we chat, uh, so welcome back to the show, Greg. Tim, I'm so excited to be here to talk about uh, the upcoming disclosure and all the recent UAP videos. Um, I really can't <laughs> wait to dive in tonight. I think I got a lot of great insight on these topics, and uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's exactly what we need more of in the world right now. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's please not talk about any of that. <laughs> Oh, we're not even going to go there. We're not even going to go there. So, um, <laughs> how's it going, man? It's going well, dude. It's going well. It's good to talk to you again. Um, like I said, yeah, we. <laughs> the, I, 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 I didn't tell you that when I was talking to you the other day to set up the show, but it was like, whoa, whoa, that flat Earth show. Oh shit. 
I gotta, I gotta fucking, I gotta pull out of this tailspin that I, <laughs> that I steered the well, ship into <laughs> last week. I don't, I, I don't quite know if, uh, if uh, I'm the person to pull you out of that tailspin, man. <laughs> 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 you, you, you gave me a very very nice intro, but uh, holy shit, I don't know if, uh, if I'm if I'm what you would call a a name property. Oh no no no, people people love you, dude. Well we'll we'll, we'll get into that because the hell your thing is like it's it's amazing. But we were talking before we went on the air. How have you how have you been uh, through this through this pandemic? You had a monstrous beard it was amazing i really uh i was blown away by that beard and did your hair when the fuck did your hair turn all white was this because was this during the pandemic dude i got my first gray hair when i was like 11 or 12 my parents are like they've they had full white heads of hair by the time they were in their 30s so uh that's just genetic and i i'd like to call it stress but uh it's really just genetic but uh, it looks crazier the longer my hair gets. And this is the longest I've ever had my hair because, you know, who gives a shit when you're in the middle of a pandemic? So right, uh, right. I just let it go, man. Never had a beard before. Wanted to see how, how big I could grow a beard, how long I get my hair. I think, uh, yeah, I I've, I got it out of my system, though. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was impressive. I was like, holy shit, this guy's really, he's really, um, he's really committed to this <laughs> To this pandemic, but I think a lot of us were. I think I had a beard for, for most of the year. I think finally shaved it off a little while ago. That's just depression. I just wanted to to look on the outside the way I felt on the inside because this has been rough. I know it's been rough for everybody, but you know, as somebody who you know most of most of my living is made, you know, going coast to coast with the museum and and going to conferences and. You know, that's where I would see my friends and hang out with my friends. And I know they had a lot of issues because they're not on the road. And, you know, it's hard to, uh, yeah, it's it's been a really weird, hard year, year and a half. Um, I mean, it has been for everybody, but particularly for people who, who uh, make a living, you know, telling stories by the campfire, you know. So uh, I just want to reflect how I felt on the inside. <laughs> There you Solidarity. go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna say, it, 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 I can imagine that it's particularly tough when you when you run literally the traveling museum of the of the paranormal you called. It's like, no, no, you can't go anywhere. So, um, you've got yeah. you've done a masterful job of sort of turning this into like an online venture. Um, you know that we can get into in a minute. But the yeah, I can imagine it was like, cause yeah, cause it. What was I guess in a sense like, what was that like for you? Because you, would, along with like, I mean, I don't really know a lot of the people in the ghost world, so I'm sure there's a lot of people who do similar traveling. But like, the, one person I kind of think of, I of of the level of travel, you guys like 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 a Nick Redfern, you know, he does like two or three, he did like two or three conferences a a month, if not more, you know. And it's like, sure. I guess that's pretty much what you guys were doing. You guys were you guys were traveling a shitload, doing a ton of different conferences and stuff. I guess what was that experience like to hit the brakes on everything and and just be homebound for a year? Oh, I mean, you know, I think I had the same experience that a lot of people had um, where it was like, oh, well, you know, okay, this is, this is fine. You got to do what you got to do, right? Everybody's throwing in, trying to do their best to uh, make everything come to an end as quick as possible. So you just, you know, you do that. That's fine. Um, But then you get kind of, you know, 
three or four months in, you get kind of nervous. You start to see the events be rescheduled uh, once and then rescheduled twice and then canceled and then moved to another year. Uh, that's a little scary, especially with as much traveling as we were doing. Um, but it's, uh, you just, you, you try and adapt, you try and, 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 you know, figure out a, figure out a way to, uh, you know, what we ended up doing because of what was happening, particularly with the events industry is we realized that it wasn't just us. It was a lot of our friends. And so we started doing uh, an online conference and we did two of them, uh, right. over the last year. And uh, we tried to just emulate that that feeling because it wasn't just us. It wasn't just our friends. It was also uh, people who who go to conferences, who go to these events. Who that's you know that's where they socialize. That's where they keep up to date on some of the cool stuff that the people they they like are doing. And so we tried to replicate that, and uh, I think it went really well. I think it had a really good response, um, and and it was actually a really surprising highlight of the pandemic because it it sort of showed us uh, a lot of the issues that people have with accessibility because a lot of people, they can't afford to take flights to go to these events. Um, you know, sometimes right. they're people that are homebound or, or, or they don't have the accessibility options that they need to, to go to events like this. So I think hopefully the positive thing about doing a lot of uh, that type of thing. And I mean, we weren't the only people to do stuff like that. There were other groups who, who had online events hopefully will be that, um, you know, events will be more accessible all the way around, even though, you know, the world's starting to open up and these events are happening again. But uh, try to use it as a learning experience, I guess. Yeah, that's all you can really do, you know, uh, is to try and, yeah, make the most of the time that you're stuck with being at home and everything. You know, that's kind of like, oh, for sure. I mean, looking at the beginning of 2020, I had no, I had no, like, compunction that I was going to start podcasting again. But then it was like, well, I can't uh-huh. fucking go anywhere. And it's like, well, you know, I might as well just just do – just start – like, I, and, and I can't see anyone, so let's start catching up with people and doing shows again. So, yeah, I, I thought it was Absolutely. interesting. I, I did one of those online conferences. What I thought was really interesting is the – you're right about the accessibility, and especially, too, I think that it gives people the opportunity, like the wallflowers in a way, like that maybe wouldn't ask a question – if they were live at the event, but they're, they're way more like engaging in, in the little chat room in the thing as it's going on, you know, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, in a lot of ways that, that in and of itself is an accessibility issue because, you know, not everybody has that uh, loud, booming, powerful voice. You know, there, there, a lot of people have social anxiety too. And that's another reason that stops people from going to stuff like this. And, I think it's been great all the way around for a lot of that stuff. You know, I know it sucks that theaters are hurting and uh, and, and other live entertainment options, but they've um, they've pivoted in some interesting ways. And I think it's it's been a real boon for people who have accessibility issues, whether that's social anxiety or whether you know wheelchair accessible stuff, things like that, or even just like having to stay home and, and care for kids or parents or whatever. Um, hopefully that stuff sticks around. I know it's made an impact in how I see events and how I see that stuff going forward. But, uh, you know, it's definitely made me excited to uh, start getting out in the world. But uh, I think everyone's going to have a little bit of trauma around this. I, I think about, like, our parents, you know, and the, the Cold War, the stuff that did to them every time they hear a siren, they think about crawling under a desk, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be a while before it seems like, uh, you know, that that things are, like people say, like back to, I kind of like hate that in a way, because it's like, look, we, this whole year showed us like a lot of the problems that were lying under the surface of like our country or whatever, or the world. Oh, man. It's like, if you, it's like, oh, you want to go back to normal, it's like people, this showed you that people like are, that old thing where it's like, oh, people are only like $400 away from like a disaster or whatever. It's like, well, now we know that's absolutely true. So maybe maybe we need to improve normal rather than just go back. We need to, you know, fix things a little more. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we went live on the air, but I think, uh, you know, the genie's out of the bottle <laughs> with a lot of uh, people's I- innate reactions to big uh, issues like this. And, you know, the fact that we had so many, you know, political issues hit so many pandemic issues hit you know the uh, wealth inequality all that kind of stuff all hitting at the same time and uh very very strong opinions very divisive opinions on a lot of this stuff um it's going to be really difficult i think when a lot of people go go back out hopefully everybody's happy enough that that things are hopefully getting back to normal that uh, everybody will be very kind to one another but my lord it was a really it was a, it's been a really rough couple of years as far as kindness, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People are Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that was that was one of the you know, there were many bad things about this period, but yeah, that was one of the more disheartening aspects of it where it was like, mm-hmm. boy, people really really people really showed their selfishness in a way that like was apparently lurking under the surface all all along, but now it's like oh, man. really became evident, uh, you know, with this, yeah, a lot of like, oh, you know, it just, yeah, I, I, I like, like you were saying, I think, if I think about it, before we went on the air, just now when you were talking about it, it's like, you, you do, I, I was kind of under the impression that you just do your part to help everybody else, that's kind of my thing, but it's like, <laughs> right. but, but a lot of people, that as soon as, as soon as it inconveniences them in the smallest way, they, they turn, they turn nasty, and it's like, geez, dude, uh-huh. just just wear a fucking mask. Uh-huh. Just wear a mask. What what difference does it make? God, it just makes I, me crazy. I think it's it's pretty it's 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 pretty nuanced. And you know, I don't I don't know how much a, a couple uh, a couple weirdos who are into like weird shit can can solve. Yeah, the what problem. are we? Now, right? We can try, <laughs> but I think a, a lot of that is is stemmed from people who feel powerless themselves, and they have to define their power wherever they can get it, and. For a lot of those people who feel abandoned or left behind, you know, they, they see that mask or, uh, you know, that that indoor bar or whatever it is, is their way to have some ownership and, 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 and lay claim to some power in their life. And uh, I, my heart goes out to them. I get it. I understand it. Um, and I think it just it, it shows a much deeper issue beyond <laughs> beyond just uh refusal to wear masks or you know vaccine denialism or whatever it is i think it's an, an issue with people who feel like no one's really listening to them or taking care of them and that one that's a tough one that's a real tough one yeah yeah now i see i'm looking at the at the traveling museum uh website now it says upcoming exhibitions you have two in england you're going over to england twice in july 
<laughs> we were. Those uh, I haven't touched the website in a while. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's <okay>. not happening. <laughs> oh, I was no, like, holy yeah, shit, dude! I, You're... <laughs> How are they letting you into England? I don't know if they. Like, what the fuck? I was gonna say I don't. I don't know if they'd let us in. Yeah. Um, we were supposed to, yeah, we were really looking forward to it. We had uh, two events overseas uh, coming up uh, like in a two months, and um, yeah, that's just not that's just not happening. Right. Um, that's what I mean. It's been moved around a few times, but we are getting back out on the road in July, um, starting kind of small and going to a few events that have been rescheduled a bunch of times. And uh, I'm, you know, you're a little, little hesitant about it because it's the first time we've done anything like that. Not quite ready for uh, any in-person hugs or anything yet, but it will be fun to get back out on the road and, you know, see people in real life. Yeah. Well, you had a great thread on Twitter. I, I dug it out uh, back in February because it was like uh, there were people complaining that the uh, this will probably ring a bell, hopefully, but it was like you were, you were, it was about people who complained that only celebrity, like I saw almost kind of like how I was saying at the start of the show, I need I need a big name to to, to redeem myself from the <laughs> from the flower debacle. Um, but people said people were saying, uh, you know, uh, you say seeing a lot of why do only celebrity ghost UFO cryptid researchers get invited to conferences, and you say it's either an oversimplification of the of the issue or just plain not true, and I totally. I was in complete agreement with you, and you went through a whole thing. We can kind of discuss it here a little bit, but it's like yeah. I I get why people. First of all, I don't I don't like people who are like, why don't they invite real researchers? It's like okay, relax, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Cryptid Boy One Three Five. Like it's <laughs> it's you know yeah. Why does why um, does the TLC why doesn't the TLC network have real Bigfoot experts on the show? Find me some. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, but and I, I think you, you, you make sort of the point where it's like it's a lot. I'm a big wrestling fan, so it's a lot like wrestling. It's like, look at you need you need your Greg the Hammer Valentines to sell tickets so that yeah. the local guys can can perform. That's how it works, and it's the same with the paranormal. It's like you need, you know, God rest his soul. God rest his soul. You need your Stan Friedmans. So that the local UFO people can can open the the day. That's just how it works. One hundred percent. Occasionally, you need to have a zombie match promoting a new Zack Snyder film. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, it's true. And you know, I'm not I'm not shy about saying this. That's how we got a lot of our start in this. Is um, you know, we we've been doing. It, amateur investigation and 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 ha always had you know my wife and i met because we ran ghost hunting websites that's how we knew each other as kids we've been doing this a long time but we got our foot in the door because people who were big names were able to draw crowds to the places where we were talking and the crowds happened to enjoy the type of stuff that we were saying as well as some of the big names and they would invite us back you need to have that kind of thing to sell tickets and I completely, 100% understand the argument. I've made the argument myself in the past, but there's a few, you know, the, 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 you've got to have a, a, a big name to bring tickets in because the whole point is if you're an amateur investigator, if you're an amateur uh, researcher or entertainer or whatever you are, it doesn't matter what, what field you're in, sometimes you've got to, like, guest on a track by a bigger singer. And that's how you get attention. Um, those people bring in uh, those people bring in the eyes, 
And frankly, if you don't like that or the people that bring in the eyes are not people you want to associate with, well, then plan your own event. It's, it's exactly, easier than yeah. ever to do stuff like that. And then you can put your money where your mouth is, and you'll see what the draw really is. Years ago, Dana and I, when we were living in Chicago, we did a free event uh, where there were no celebrities. And we did a free event because we were very much – this was back in the Who Fortis days. And we were mm-hmm. very much like – this is uh, completely independent. These are this is all real research. No, there's no big names here. You know, yada yada yada. And it was the biggest nightmare. I promised I'd never do it again because it was so terrible. <laughs> the only people who showed up were people who were just going, "Where's the food? We heard there's going to be free food here." Nobody cared oh, about anything we were talking about, and uh, it was just a complete mess. So you know, we tried. But we found out real quick, sometimes you need to have a draw. It's just the way it is. And it's been that way forever. That's nothing new. And really, like, more often than not, the people who complain that it's like, why don't they have – what you're really – not you, but with this person, these hypothetical people. Mm -hmm. What they're really complaining Mm – what they're really and truly saying is, why don't they have me? Why won't they have me? They don't – (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> they don't mean real, oh, no, no. real Bigfoot researchers or or honest to goodness uh, ghost hunters. They just mean me. Why won't they have me One, at these <laughs> at these events? One hundred percent. And I, I I get that not everyone is very good at promo. Not everybody is very good at uh, appealing to a broad audience. But that's kind of I mean. We're living in a world now where you have to be a jack of all trades. And if you want someone to pay attention to you, there's a lot of noise to cut through. Some people can cut through that noise because they were picked out of a casting crew, uh, like a casting process and put on TV. And that's how they can cut through the noise. Some people do really great work and their books and their websites or their podcasts or whatever uh, cut through the noise because enough people talk about them and push them. Um, you have to do something that catches people's eye. And, you know, that's where a lot of, I think that's where a lot of, you know, people's ethical dilemmas and things like that come up because not everyone, not everyone is capable of doing things that, that catch people's eyes. So it's easier to, I don't know, it's, it's easier to make a, a, a YouTube video where, you know, these, somebody's saying that there's a ghost in their house or whatever, but then they don't know what to do with it when they finally have the attention and then, you know, they get, yeah. they get on one episode of my ghost story or whatever. And then they put that on all of their banners and do a bunch of local events, but no one cares because there's nothing there to keep people's attention. The, the end of the day, doing good stuff that impresses people is the only way that you're going to be able to get any attention. And so everything else is just whining. It truly is just, it's just whining. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I, it kind of just drives me up the wall. That and this thing about like gatekeepers, like you, you guys have been in this a long time. I've been in this a long time. I always I hear people uh-huh. say, "Oh, gatekeepers." I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that shit, dude. There are like, yeah. look, at, some people can be kind of standoffish <laughs> and grumpy or whatever, you know. But like, right. people were. I came into this so wet behind the ears. I didn't know anybody or anything. And people like uh-huh. Stan Friedman and Jim Mars and Lauren Coleman, they were super uh-huh. welcoming to me. They, you know, Brad Steiger, Greg Bishop, all you these sure? guys. They were, they opened the doors for me 
and, and welcome me in wholeheartedly. So it's like I see these people go to the gatekeepers. It's like, look it. This this is my advice to the people who complain about this shit. It's like, look it. If your attitude is, you guys all suck. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to come and kick over the fucking card table, and I'm going to upend the, the Bigfoot world uh, and, and, and show you how it's done. And how come you won't let me in? It's like, well, maybe that's the fucking reason. <laughs> like, that's maybe, that's maybe exactly you're... it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Listen, the 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 uh, I've I've had my complaints about the old guard, and I've had my complaints about gatekeeping. And truly, uh, your solutions are be nice. Just be nice. If you're nice, and exactly. you you just just be nice and welcoming to these people. These people will be nice and welcoming to you. Most of them. I mean, there's always assholes, and that's in every community. Yeah. And there's always people yeah, who absolutely. like you know sometimes. There are people who do feel threatened when they see, like, you know, the young guns come in with cool ideas or maybe they're, they're better at marketing or whatever. That's always going to happen. That's always a thing. But most people, this, this community is – I mean, and, and when I say this community, I'm talking about UFO community, I'm talking about paranormal community, Bigfoot, all that stuff, metaphysical community. It's not that yeah. big. You, you, you know you, – you start to see the same names over and over again. Everybody kind of knows each other. So, uh, you know, if you start to get a reputation for being a real jerk, that, that's going to spread, and then people aren't going to want to hang out, and they're not going to want to talk to you. So, And they're absolutely not going to give you uh, opportunities. I'm a person who, way back in the day, I've I learned a lot of this stuff the hard way because I was one of those people who liked to complain about those fakers on TV or the gatekeepers or the old guard or whatever and made a lot of yeah. enemies that way. But I... I also was fortunate enough to get in positions where I was, you know, able to kind of apologize to these people and be like, listen, the truth is I just, I thought what, what I was doing was cool. And I thought what I was doing deserved attention too. And it made me upset when nobody gave me attention. And that is uh, what a lot of these people start to feel. And uh, I get it, but you just got to do cool stuff, do cool stuff and be nice. Those are two absolute golden rules for getting ahead in life. <laughs> Do cool Absolutely. stuff. Be, re- be responsible and be nice, and you will get further than you ever dreamed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Look at that. We're helping people out tonight. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. They're going to be like fucking Benone, Newkirk. Heard them on that show, gatekeeping, keeping people out. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be a dick. Yeah. That's just the yeah, end. That just don't be. Yeah, I don't really. Uh, the universal rule. It, it's you know they call it the golden rule for a reason because it really will will get you further than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting too. The there's a strange sort of like. I, I guess it is true, but it's like I always hear this complaint. It's like, oh, everybody just wants to be on TV, and it's like I guess they do. I just I just don't understand it. Like, why do they? Why do you? First of all, there's so many shows nowadays that, right. uh, you know, you guys were the smartest of the bunch because you, like, if you know, Hellier is a fantastic show, but like I'd like to see an alternative universe where it was on Destination America. Because oh no, it would, it chance, would, it would like never, it would be it would just it would get never washed away. I know, but what I'm well, saying is like there's so much shit. Like you guys, the way you released it stood out in a way that 
if if somebody made a show and they just threw it on Discovery Channel in between 35 different other shows, uh-huh. it's like, uh-huh. who's even going to notice it? I think, you know, there's a lot of people that think that uh, television is the golden ticket to people paying attention to you and people caring. But my my answer to that is go find any of the paranormal shows that have been greenlit by any network in the last, you know, five years, and then go to the uh, the Twitter profiles of the people who star in those shows, and you'll see that is not the case. There's... So many of these shows, there's so uh, much oversaturation of these shows. And, you know, it, there's, there's, other, there's other extenuating circumstances to some of this, but there's so much of that stuff. And it's now so, like, they don't even play uh, new shows on Travel Channel anymore, which was like the paranormal hub for the last couple of years. They don't even play the new shows there. You have to get a new subscription service to watch this stuff. Yeah. The stuff is just being pumped out at such a high rate. It's like when everyone's special, no one's special. You know, when everyone's doing the same thing, when everybody has a TV show, is it really that special anymore? So you, you need to do things that are going, to, going to, to actually gain attention. And listen, we tried to get Hellier on a network. You know, that's part of the reason why there was a first season and a second season that happened so close to each other. Because we released season one and season two in the same year, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so... We tried for like a year and a half, two years almost, to try and get uh, the first season of Hellier on a traditional network. But every time we we had a meeting, and we had plenty of meetings, and there were plenty of networks that were very interested in it, but they wanted us to use everything that we'd done in the first season basically as a sizzle reel. And for people who don't know what a sizzle reel is there are these things that networks put together before things are officially greenlit and it's usually like a five sometimes in a 10 minute uh mini episode um they can be yeah. pretty rough around the edges it's basically just to give uh network executives an idea of what the show would be they wanted to take right. all the work that we had done turn it into a sizzle reel so that the network and the production company and whoever else wanted their fingers in the pie could go in and we could reshoot the entire thing and they would sort of hint at us like, Hey, by the end of the season, you need to find goblins. (laughs) So like, that's why it didn't end up on one of these networks because we didn't like the fact that we couldn't be honest about the situation. Um, and, and, and truly if we had done it, we would just been another one of the shows where, you know, it, there's the very last second, there's blurry footage or there's blurry thermal or there's a, you know, mysterious piece of evidence that we can't quite get. But we will say definitively means there was a goblin standing here five years ago or, or five minutes ago or whatever. Um, yeah. And then people would forget about it and it wouldn't it wouldn't look the way it does carl probably wouldn't have been able to shoot it even that was the other thing they wouldn't even give carl like director of photography credit that's ridiculous yeah <laughs> that's just that's just so short-sighted it's like have you has there been any talk of just t- now that you have it all complete and everything have you tried like just going to like sci-fi and going like hey why don't you just buy this fucking thing and run it like, you know, or, or one of these cha- – you know, it's like – I'm just wondering. I mean, that's, part of me is just kind of like, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's already done and everything. Everyone's already seen it. So it's sure. like you're not necessarily uh, 
cheating the audience or whatever, but it's like, why not? I mean, you have it as, as property, if you will. Well, I, I, you know, sure. And that's a great, that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked. Uh, I, yes, there's, there's regular conversations about things like that. Um, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's interesting because we're, we're hit up, you know, every time that there's a new season. So typically this happens during, um, uh, like pitch season, pitch seasons happen in, in the spring and the fall we're always hit up by production companies, um, sometimes as a group, sometimes individually, and they're, they, they, they like Hellier, but they want us for their own projects. So that's kind of the thing is a lot of networks don't want to touch properties that they haven't had a hand in somehow. Um, ah, all right, yeah. And I, th- I think that might have to do with rights and things like that. And for us, because it is our baby, it's something that we've all poured a lot of love and affection into. It's something that we want to retain some kind of ownership over. Um, and, and, you know, the, the truth is we're, we're likely not done with Hellier. There likely will be more. Uh, and we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves too bad um, or, or, or hamstring ourselves by going with a really big entity that will have some kind of a controlling stake in it. And you know, force us to find goblins. <laughs> That's always kind yeah, of exactly. going to be the the crux of the thing. Is I don't want to be forced to say something that I don't feel is true. And right. um, that's not always the case with these with these you know networks. Sometimes the conversations are great, and there's a lot of shows that aren't put in positions like that. You know, our friends uh, uh, Amy Bruni and Adam Barry have a show on on Discovery Plus and Travel called Kindred Spirits. We show up on it quite a bit because they're the executive producers. They're allowed to push back, and we've never felt like we've been put in a compromising position on there. So it's yeah. it's you know, but that's the exception to the rule most of the time. Um, and it's not that we're opposed to it. I, you know, there's there's always talks about bigger distribution for the projects that we're working on. But I know that a lot of networks are pretty they're pretty hesitant to allow. Um, already completed 100% finished projects to come and, and air because um, they want, uh, you know, they want final cut. They want to know yeah. that uh, everything is up to whatever standard they've set, not what we've set. Right, exactly. Um, that makes sense. And, yeah, for the people, this was sort of some insight that I got, like, last year because I was talking to someone about uh, a TV show situation, and it was, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the people who were like, oh, why are these – why are these TV people to get all the conference gigs? I was pretty much told, like, well, they're not going to pay you shit, but you use you're, – you're responsible for using the cachet you receive from being on the TV show to then go and make money. That was kind of the – that was how it was explained to me. And it was like, I'm inherently lazy, dude. I don't want – so you mean, <laughs> you mean I'm not going to get paid shit. Yes. I'm going to be on TV, great. Like, you know, uh-huh. I'm one of those people. Uh, the joke that I had, uh, I had a friend who was on Ancient Aliens, and they were like, this is really going to, this is really, this really puts me on the map. This gives me street cred or whatever. And it's like, oh, dude, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I would never want to be on Ancient Aliens or anything like that. Because, like, my, just my family alone, I would never hear the end of it. Every time we went out, I, my brother would be like, hey, this guy was on Ancient Aliens and shit. Kind of like, you know, <laughs> that would, I have the opposite feeling. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, so people who kind of wonder about some of the behind the scenes shit, it's like, you don't get rich doing these TV shows, 
Like their whole it's kind of the old oh, no. where it's like, well, we're giving you exposure. That's their thing. We're giving you exposure, and then you then it's up to you to see if you can make some money off of that exposure by getting a book deal or or doing conferences or whatever. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You you can get rich. I mean, I know people who have made literally millions of dollars from being on like deep cable, <laughs> deep cable paranormal reality shows. The thing is. Those that doesn't happen in your first or second season, and a lot of these shows, right, right. if you go and you watch them, they are only one or two season shows. So you know, you look at somebody. I'll use Zach Baggins as an example. He's uh, an eternally controversial figure in the paranormal community, um, but you know, for all of his faults and for all the things that I don't agree with as far as his opinions go. Um, the guy is a great businessman because he's kept Absolutely, really tight yeah. control over his product. Um, he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't ever interact. Like he's a person who doesn't need to go to conferences, and he doesn't. He doesn't do conferences. He'll occasionally have a book come out once in a while, probably ghost written. But you know, the guy just continuously cranks out content and he can do it at a premium because they know he's that person we were talking about earlier that brings the eyes. He yeah. is like the, the, the thing that travel channel knows they keep him on that network and they pay him a premium. They pay him millions of dollars to be on that network because they know he draws eyes and those eyes will go and watch other shows on that network that are within the same vein. Uh, and, and that took him, like 10, 15 years to get to that point. Uh, exactly. You know, the guy has a, a museum that has priceless artifacts that have cost millions and millions of dollars. And he it did that himself. He, you know, that was something that he had to work at. So it is possible. But the first and second seasons of these shows, you really don't make anything because the hope is you're – You've already pitched to the network and proven to the network that it's good enough to invest in the show, and now you're pitching to the audience, and you're trying to exactly. get the audience to tune in and give you the numbers. And if they do, then you can argue that you maybe can make you deserve money, a little yeah. bit more money. Sure. Right. But right, it's, right. it's not that simple. Being on TV is not a magic ticket, and you know, being on even guest spots, like talking head stuff. So like you mentioned Ancient Aliens as a talking head show. That doesn't guarantee you anything either. They typically these things, you know, they pay you maybe a couple hundred bucks and uh, a flight, right. a flight in a hotel and a couple hundred bucks to go do these things. Um, that's not that's not much. You know, some people have to take off work to do stuff like this from their day job, and they actually have a net <laughs> a net drop in their income because mm-hmm. of doing it. If you don't yep. have anything to leverage against that appearance, uh, very quickly because people forget very quickly now. Like people, you know, reruns, you know, people don't watch them. So unless you have something to, to capitalize on, you're you're you know it's not gonna it's not gonna involve much. Kane and I always right. sort of watch how many social media followers we'll get when we have a guest spot on a show, and we've noticed mm-hmm. over the last you know seven eight years, um, even doing guest spots on very big shows with very big audiences, uh, you know we'll get a trickle of of new social media followers. So people just aren't watching TV anymore. They just they're just yeah. really not. Now, are you surprised uh, – because last time I talked to you was right after season two came out. So that was probably like two – was it the end of 2019? Yeah, so it's about like a year and a half now, I guess. So, um, I think it, you, was, it was the – yeah, that sounds about right. The very beginning of yeah. 2020, I think. Well, it came out on Black Friday, right? 
second season. Oh shit! No, I you're right. So. Yeah, I don't know why. I, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're right. You know more about it than I do. <laughs> well, I just remember it was a great idea. It was like, fuck, that's the perfect time to put out something because no one, no one, you know, no one wants to go out to the store because it's crazy out there and shit. Yeah. So, oh, you're um, right. You're but right. are you surprised by? I've been watching sort of the. I've just been kind of captivated by just how this has taken hold in a way. Like this is really. Mm-hmm. You know, like you retweet people, and sometimes they're like watching Hellier for the eleventh time, and I'm still finding things. It's like holy shit! <laughs> like, oh my god! I know. Like I know. they really, really, really love the show. Like, are you? Yeah. I mean, what's your? Obviously, you must be, you know, over the moon about that. But I mean, what's it like? Oh, of course. What's it like, dude? <laughs> you know, what's it like? Because at times I kind of am like. Oh geez, I think you mentioned like some people appearing on shows as hell your experts with <laughs> not even on the fucking show or anything. Um, but I guess talk about hell your mania. Talk about the hell your mania that's erupted over the last year now. Man, it's really fascinating, and we're very blessed to have have been able to make something that resonated so much with so many people. Particularly, I think the interesting thing to me is, um, you know, we didn't we didn't necessarily set out to expand as far outside of the you know the paranormal uh, sphere as we did but I'm I was really fascinated by the the different communities that Hellier resonated with like we never expected it to resonate as much as it did with uh like for example the, the, the magic community people who are occultists and ritual magicians and things like that who saw a lot of stuff in Hellier that we didn't see um it or or even just you know kind of the the hardest thing with a lot of this is breaking out of the paranormal community bubble and Hellier's yeah. really been amazing at doing that and bringing people into the bubble where uh, I think a lot of people were just sort of burned out on the formula that, you know, same three act structure formula. Here's the homeowner with a problem. Uh, we're going to go in and we're going to investigate night vision and then we're going to solve the problem. <laughs> I think a lot of people just right, kind of right. got old, seeing that every week. And so I think people were really surprised when they are able to give it a shot. Um, and they're able to kind of get over the idea that we, we don't find goblins. So spoiler alert, anyone who's listening, who hasn't seen you know, seasons <laughs> one or two, we, we have not been able to drag a dead goblin out of a cave. Um, I, I think <laughs> there'd be bigger issues if that was actually something we were able to do, but knowing that it's so different in both tone and even structure, you know, Carl shot Hellier very cinematic. So it doesn't feel like a frenetic paranormal television show. Um, It's very slow and deliberate and it requires investment from people. You know, we don't really explain a lot of the stuff that we talk about, but we give people the books so they can go and they can figure out, what we're talking about. They can learn along with us. What's been really fascinating to me is how many people were really eager for, for content like that, where it did sort of require investment and it didn't talk down to them. And it wasn't, you know, there weren't definitive answers all the time. Uh, I've been uh, blown away. I know the entire crew has been absolutely blown away by the way that this project has resonated with people, um, given that it is so bonkers and so weird compared to most of the stuff that you could try and uh, you could try and judge it by. But it's, I mean, I, I can feel nothing but blessed and, and flattered 
by all the really nice things that people have to say about it and in the fact that people can watch it as, as much as they can. And a lot of that is a testament to Carl who directed it and who shot it and, and Connor uh, who, who did a lot of the music and, and producing on it. Uh, it's just, it's uh it's a really, it's a really weird, wonderful, wild thing. And, you know, there's, there's just as many people who hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna like a ask really you about that. But... Negative reaction. <laughs> yeah, that's but a really interesting the... thing too. Yeah, I don't nobody's, get. Nobody's I don't get that. That's right. Right. It's very well, nobody, polarizing. Nobody and it's like I don't quite exactly get why people get it's, so it's... angry. Like that's what gets me. It's like if you don't like the show, then don't. Then <laughs> you know, if you don't like the show, then just I... don't. I guess I'm one of those people. Like if you don't, if you don't like something. You know, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. That's kind of my take on a lot of shit. Unless I'm being, a, you know, a clown on social media and I'm just, like, complaining about something ridiculous, you know, it's a, it's a <laughs> sure. joke. But, it's like, well, well, but I'm not, like – Well, that's a reasonable response. Yeah. But I, I, I've found it's very interesting that people have a very um, – Hellier evokes a very emotional response from people, which, uh, you know, I, I would dare say uh, a lot of the best art – does evoke an emotional response in people. Um, and, and it's, it's, it makes people feel things sometimes that maybe they don't like to feel, whether that's, you know, confusion or, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think Hellier can maybe sometimes make people feel like they, maybe they don't feel like they're smart enough to understand it, or maybe it's, it's too challenging and what they really want is just be entertained. Um, and I get it. I totally, totally get it. I totally understand it. Um, but, uh, it's very, it's fascinating because it's just, there's no real middle ground when it comes to people reviewing Hellier. They either really, really love it to the point where they're watching it over and over, or they just absolutely hate it to the point where they're, you know, they want to harass us and ruin our lives because they wasted, they wasted their time or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's really and weird. you know, I, there could be some, there could be some spooky connotations to that. Sometimes I wonder if that's part of what Hellier is and is doing and, and exists to do, but uh, I don't know. It's it's a really weird thing to watch because I've never, you know, I've been in this community for a long time. I've watched paranormal television for a long time. I've never seen a response to a show the way yeah. that Hellier has had a response. It's very weird. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. I think part of the as simple as this sounds, I think in a way, um, I guess a small part of of why it's successful in a way, I think it maybe even catches people's attention who otherwise might skim over it. Is that you don't have there's no UFO in the title. There's no. It's not called like the search for the goblins. It's like not. It, 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 it's just hellier. It's, you kind of have to you have to watch it to see, you know, what it's about. It, it's a very I don't know. It's a very like it's a mysterious title in a way that that works uh, that works to disarm people that otherwise would be like I'm not watching this this paranormal show. Sure. Well, the fun part the fun part about Hellier is while watching it, there will almost always be unless you're an old veteran, there will almost always be stuff that you know you'll see something mentioned uh, briefly and you'll go I don't know what that is. What is that? So you can go look it up. And you can you can buy all the books. You can read all the books that we read for our research in the show. Um, right. You can you can Google every single thing. Like it's it's all there. 
And so I think what draws people into it is they're able to do a lot of their own research and they're able to go, wow, that's really weird how that ties into this and this ties into this. And so in a lot of ways, it's opening people's minds and universe to a lot of uh, different ideas and particularly for people who are fans of paranormal television and are able to keep up with Hellier and they, they don't mind pausing it and Googling and they don't mind buying a book and reading it. Um, they find that they're exposed to the ideas of people like Jacques Vallée and uh, John Keel and uh, ritual magic, Aleister Crowley and, and Thelema and, and all these other ideas and concepts that come into play and they have their worlds expanded and uh, you don't get a lot of that in, in a lot of these television shows. So I think that that probably has a big part to play and and why people have such a strong reaction to it because you know I think the thing I see more than ever is they say Hellier changed the way that I see the paranormal and it's not because we're sitting there going hey we know what this is because we don't we we show the dead ends and we show how frankly little we know about a lot of this stuff but in doing so we give people the opportunity to do their own research and quite literally change the way that they see the world because they're exposed to the ideas of, of some iconic researchers who are sometimes, you know, pushed to the fringes because it's easier to, you know, focus on, uh, you know, nuts and bolts stuff because, um, it's tangible, you know, it's sometimes hard to wrap your head around this idea of high strangeness because of how bizarre it gets. Yeah, it's very interactive, the show, which is, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it is very, uh, it it leaves a lot of breadcrumbs for people to go and look at on their own and shit, which is a lot Absolutely. better than what you normally see on these TV shows, which are very sort of passive. You're just watching it unfold, and you don't really, yeah, yeah, so. Um, yeah. How much, now, how, I'm sure people bug you all the time, like, when are you going to make another one? So, like, have you... Have like what's your what's your, what's your boilerplate answer for that one? I, I mean, I think it's at this point, you know, we we play coy and we beat around the bush sometimes, but at this point, right, it's, right. I think it's a matter of of when, not if. And you know, it's Hellier's a weird thing, man, because the first two seasons give people seven years worth of backstory, and then right. right. Uh, you know, now, now everybody's caught up, um, you know, and we've got our, we've all kind of got our own headspace as to the stuff that we're each individually researching and looking at. And we're still fielding thousands of emails from people all over the world about stuff that uh, they've experienced. That's quite like Hellier. And so, you know, it's just going to take some time. We we're Hellier is going to be something that I think we're always kind of working on until we're not. We've already shot stuff that will very likely be uh, part of season three whenever season three happens. Um, yeah. So it's 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 likely a matter of if, not when. It's just um, you know we we got to have some time to keep working and and actually have something of substance to show people. We don't want to just make it for the sake of making it. We want to make it because we have something important to show people and something important to say. Um, but you know we're 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 working the same exact crew. We work so good together, and you know we're all greater than the sum of our individual parts when we're together. So we we have other projects that we're working on. I mean, one of them 
um, we're getting ready to, to wrap up the last bit of uh, here probably in the next month or so. And um, yeah, so people won't have to wait very long for more stuff in, you know, from the same group of people that has the same kind of tone and the same feel and the same take on uh, the paranormal. Uh, right. But from the uh, Hellier team or whatever. Who knows when Hellier. Yeah, because be. the Hellier yeah. case, it's kind of like, I haven't seen, I apologize to the guy, <laughs> the made up guy who's seen it 11 <laughs> times or whatever. Cause I haven't, I haven't watched the series since, <laughs> since that black Friday. I, you know, I watched it. I loved sure. it. Um, you know, I, uh, talking to you now, I'm like, oh, I should go back and watch it again. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like the case, originally was to go and find out about this dude who said he had the goblins in his backyard. So, so at some point, the case kind of, like, and obviously it evolves over the course of the series, but it's like, you kind right. of, you, you know, at some point you're like, all right, well, we've gone so far afield from this dude's backyard goblins that, you know, it'd be, it, it, you could just make another show or whatever, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the hellier thing, you know, except, you know, except for the, the brand sure. is so strong. Well, I mean, there's there's natural connections. Like, I think uh, one of the things that Dana says in the last episode of season two is, uh, you know, I think that this is going to take us back to every place we've been. So, you know, we don't we don't. The funny thing about season two is we don't really go back to Hellier all except once or twice. Um, the other yep. episodes are all based in other places. And I think, you know, season three, there are other places we will likely end up that it will likely surprise people. But um, I, you know, we'll, we'll end up things. I think we'll, we'll, we'll come back to a lot of the threads that um, were left dangling. And, uh, you know, we just don't know where those are going to go because again, unlike, unlike a lot of these shows, we don't have a story producer that's like giving us our beats saying, right. here's what's going to happen now. And then here's what's going to happen now. And then here's how it's going to end. We don't know. We, it's, we, we legitimately do not know how stuff's going to end. Um, we have ideas on where we would like it to go. We obviously have things we would like to see happen and we would like the stuff we would like to dig up and people we'd like to speak to, but whether or not that happens is, is out of our hands. Uh, it's because it's just we're just going with the flow and, and, and seeing where this this case takes us. So uh, everything that people see is is a, it's the natural it's the natural pulling of the thread. It's all going where it's actually going. We're not trying to jam pieces together that don't fit. Um, and it is very weird how we went from let's let's make a, a catfish type one-hour documentary about finding this guy who said he had goblins in his lawn to, oh, uh, this is a potentially a, a global initiation for a bunch of people to become magicians. <laughs> Trust me, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I realize how weird that is, but it's probably going to get weirder. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it's interesting, yeah. It really... The thing's taken on a life of its own, so yeah, it's gone beyond. Uh, I guess that's kind of like kind of what I'm wondering. It's like, where would you even? You just, you have to. You're kind of being led by the mystery itself, so you have no idea like what might come about next. The, it, Hellier has taught. I mean, me personally, I can't speak for the rest of the crew, but it's taught me personally a lot about investigating the phenomena, uh, the collective phenomena, because a lot of people 
they do this thing where they, they make up their mind about what they hope it is or what they think it's going to be. And then they try very hard to put it all into that box without actually following the thread and seeing how these things change and morph and, and shift and, and become one thing at one point and then another thing at another. And so for me, it's very much about, okay, let's just go with the flow. Let's not try and force anything. That's sort of the concept. I mean, you know, we joke about the synchronicities a lot and the synchronicities drinking game uh, because of how much we use the word. But that really is the point of those synchronicities in Hellier is that those synchronicities are signposts and we follow those signposts to, to wherever they naturally lead. And every time we do that, we're given something. You know, somebody comes out of the work, woodwork to give us a piece of information, or we literally just stumble onto something. There's a, something blocking our path in the road to draw our attention to something. Uh, and that is what continues pushing us in these interesting directions. You know, me personally, I would, I would not be the same person that I am talking to you right now if it wasn't for us allowing that to happen. And a lot of you know, a lot of television shows, they don't have the option to do that because people don't invest millions of dollars into big budget right. television shows when they need a delivery schedule of a new show in the can every week. We're able to do this because this is truly our lives. I mean, that's the thing about, about <coughs> any of the projects that we make. We're, we're really living this. This is really what we do for a living. You know, I, yeah. sitting in my living room right now and it's, literally a museum there's there's it's it's a, a shrine to the paranormal um this is really what we do and so we're we're able to be in that position where we can give it the time and the space to breathe and there are moments where there's just nothing happening as far as like synchronicities go where they're just you know whole swaths yeah. of time where they're dead but it almost seems like when it's time to go when things are meant to pick up somebody will email me and have a certain set of words or a certain location or whatever that will send us in a direction that we're meant to go. And then all of a sudden the world cracks open and here's an entirely new thread to pull on. Uh, so it's, it's just a matter of uh, giving it the space to breathe and, and following it to where it's supposed to go. But not everyone, not everyone is, is willing to do that or, or has the ability to do that. And uh, I think that's another thing that's uh, really interesting about Hellier is it's taken on these weird things and it's, it's caused all this weird uh, change in, in all of our lives, frankly, um, because it, it, it's just been allowed to live. You know, we, yeah. Hellier does feel alive. Well, it takes a certain, what you were saying before, like, yeah, it takes a certain level of patience, too, you know. I think people uh Oh, for sure. Not not the show per se, but just the experience that you guys are having where it's like you mm-hmm. if something doesn't happen for a while, you can't just force it. You just have to sure. you know, let it let it happen. And it's interesting too with you know, it's like not like people forgot, but it's like in this it, talking about it now, it's like there was a fucking pandemic. <laughs> so it's not like oh, you guys yeah. could be yeah. could be making a TV show or making a third season anyway. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, with with the Hell Your Mystery, but also just sort of with the strange and unusual in general, like, as the world comes back to life, what 
you know, if 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 the paranormal is going to come with it in a way, if we're going to see weird shit, mm-hmm. more weird shit, or something like that, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to see if it dies down. Frankly, when people go back to work and people are back out in the, in the world, and you know they're more consumed with we're going to the club again, we're we're, yeah. we're going to work again. We're uh, going on vacation. I'm I'm curious to see whether or not a lot of the the bigger weirder stuff will will die off and go away because, you know, there's New York Times articles about how hauntings have increased because people are home more and they're experiencing more stuff. Yeah, I and I think that, frankly, yeah. a lot of that is is because people are traumatized, and I think a lot of paranormal phenomena comes out of uh, emotional trauma. Uh, but I, I'm curious to see if uh, the paranormal is as hot as it is when all of this is uh, starting to be on the way out. That's an interesting point, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But, yeah, it did seem <coughs> – I saw a lot of that about people experiencing paranormal activity because um, they were home all the time, which is like, mm-hmm. I guess, that, yeah, that makes sense, you know. And it's also that liminal state of, like, people were really uncertain about things – um, you know, it was like a liminal year. It was a very weird hundred percent. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, I think as things firm up and things, you know, people are, are in a routine, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting too. You know, we're talking a lot about the, the paranormal media industry. I, I would be curious to see if that dies off because that stuff's always, uh, you know, cyclical. You, you, you see a lot of that stuff like the, the early mid nineties were huge for paranormal stuff. Um, the very, uh, you know, the mid 20, you know, two thousands were huge for it. And then it just sort of ebbs and flows. And, you know, right now I'm seeing more paranormal stuff greenlit probably than I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I'm curious to see if that will die off, uh, as people get out of this liminal state. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. we got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the Internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? We'll see. It's going to be an interesting few years, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've been kind of, like, a lot of people I know are like, because I, I know a lot of conspiracy type folks, so you know they get kind of bummed out and they're like, "Oh, you know, this is bad." I mean, look, things things are bad. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. politically, yeah. socially, economically, things are bad. But there's a part of me that thinks maybe, maybe kind of like what happened in the original Roaring Twenties. Like, maybe this will be another Roaring Twenties where people, once we kind of get our back on our feet, maybe in 2022, you know, things will be, people will just really. There'll be sort of like, um, you know, just this, just this sort of celebratory, upbeat mood. I hope, I would think, but man, that would know. be wonderful, wouldn't it? It would be great. <laughs> we'll I think see. a certain segment of people will be upbeat. <laughs> There'll always <laughs> be sure. people that are that are unhappy that other people are happy. That's, we need uh, a secret the, reason why this the world. is bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I'm hopeful for that. But yeah, we'll see with the with the paranormal. See, I don't I don't necessarily follow the paranormal media as much as probably that you do. But yeah, I I guess there with the streaming and everything, it's hard to it's hard to really 
it's hard to really get a get a read on things. Talk about liminal states. It feels like that's really, um, you know, cable used to be the hub of everything, and now that's kind of dying sure. out. And the streaming services like Discovery Plus, you know, they have a whole section for paranormal stuff. Um, oh, it's so, you know, they, crazy. And they're greenlighting yeah. new stuff all the time. Yeah, it's a boom right now. All right, interesting. Um, so we'll see. I, the, <laughs> I remember being horrified. You posted a picture of uh, the weekly schedule for MTV, and it was like <laughs> just like a giant blur of ridiculousness. It was like, who? Ridiculousness, like, yeah. It, it's on – folks, go to the MTV website. Look at the schedule for the week. It is, it's like – it's a, it's a obscene. <laughs> that might be the best way. It's obscene. I, who is in charge – whoever runs MTV should be fired. Like that's just that's just wrong. They have like they have like thirty six hours straight of ridiculous ridiculousness. I don't even know what that show is. I think it's like a prank show or something. TV? But but come on, it, it's, it, you know what? This is what's funny about ridiculousness. You want, this this tells you everything you need to know about the future of television and where television is going. Ridiculousness is a show where they critique clips from YouTube. <laughs> So it's literally YouTube really? on TV, yeah, and and that's I mean that's it's it's very easy content to make you know that's the easiest stuff to do the, the talking head shows and stuff like that that's why you see so many of those they're very inexpensive to make in in comparison yeah. to anything else but I you know we're living in a time period where prestige TV is a big deal you know you you still have your your big time shows on things like HBO um, or uh, you know, AMC is another one. You have your prestige television that people put a lot of money into. Maybe not a ton of people are watching, and everything else they they just figure, well, we'll move it to our own streaming platform. Like even Discovery Plus, it's its very own streaming yeah. platform. Um, it's it, it, that's the direction everything's going, which is funny because we're talking about how things are cyclical. It's just turning into cable again, where you have to pay extra exactly. for every other network that you want not everyone wants to do that at least you know people have some kind of choice but i think the issue is um kids this is why all this stuff is going to die uh kids don't watch tv they do not watch television um even you know pre-pandemic one of the things that dane and i are always really interested in when we go to events paranormal events is we ask people what's your favorite paranormal show because we want to know, like, keep our fingers on the pulse. What are, what are people into? Right. Nobody uh, under the age of, like, 30 watches paranormal TV, All, especially the kids. The kids are like, oh, no, I, I watch YouTube. They watch BuzzFeed Unsolved. They watch yada, yada. It's all this stuff that's ad-supported, but it's free, uh, and they can just watch it. You know, I think the, the kids now, they watch – paranormal tiktok videos they watch paranormal stuff oh god on, yeah uh, on facebook things like that they do not watch tv most of these people only know who someone like zach baggins is because of memes and so that stuff is going to go away if they do not adapt it's going to go away and i think that's partially why hellier has been as successful as it is is because number one it was free it was accessible in you know not just amazon prime it wasn't behind a paywall you could watch it on Amazon Prime, but you could also watch it on YouTube. You could download the high-res uh, video files from Hellier.tv. There's, it was as accessible as possible so that every generation of person could watch it if they wanted to. 
all of these shows that are being greenlit and then locked behind paywalls on uh, any of these subscription services will not – they're just going to do worse and worse and worse and worse because kids are not watching this stuff. They're making their own stuff. <laughs> they're, they're marketing right. their stuff to each other because that's where the world is going. And so I think the, you know, this era of the, the, the gatekeeping, you know, quote, quotes, uh, French fry <laughs> yeah. quotes around gatekeeping old guard um, on television and television making you important. Um, that's going away. I see it even in, in publishing people who write books, you know, books were another way for someone to be important, but now anyone can self publish a book and call themselves an author. It's, right, right. Now it, it is more than ever uh, put up or shut up. You either can make stuff and you can draw attention or no, or you're just lost in a sea of people complaining about no one caring. That's it. You either do cool stuff and have an impact or you are just going to scream into the void. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's and a I lot always of tell people, people on TV who are going to be screaming into the void. Yeah. Well, I always tell people, uh, you know, when I do a presentation or I appear on shows and they ask for the background and all that stuff, you know, it's like I always tell them, like, I just was a janitor who had an interest in this shit and then <laughs> I'm decided just a cool to start a show. Dude, man. What's that? <laughs> I'm just a cool ass dude, man. <laughs> that's it that's what they tell I'm just me a cool ass but, dude so you know i just i was just a guy who had an interest in this and started doing stuff and then other stuff happened and it's like the point is is not like oh yay me it's like anyone can do this that's what i always say you know anybody can start a blog and start a podcast or start a video thing and and that's the that's one of the great things about the paranormal it's like you can have a really big interest in some other shit and not really not 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 uh and, and be forever behind the velvet rope, if you will. So with the paranormal, like you just just commit your if you want if you really have a passion for this and you really wanna say something, there's like a million avenues. No one's stopping you from doing your own thing. That's kinda like what you were saying about the conferences too. It's like, look, if you if you think you can do a better job, then then have at it, man. Hey man, I put together the first PhenomenaCon in two weeks. You know, it was a, a I got a bug up my ass about this idea, and there was a, a group of people who were eager for it. So we put it together in two weeks, and it was great. We had like a thousand people at it, and and so we did another one, and we'll do probably another one later this year too. It's just you you just you have to put in the work. It's there's no there's really no alternative for just doing the work. Uh, if there's, if there's, you know, be the change you want to see. If you're tired of the way exactly, people are yeah. talking about UFOs or UAPs or whatever the new hot thing is, then do your own thing. Make your own. Make start a blog. Start a magazine. Uh, you start a web series. Start a podcast. You can do it. It there's nothing stopping right. you except for time. Yeah, and if you care enough about it, then you'll you'll find the time. That's just uh, that's just it. Now you, you. I want to salute you here. We can talk a little bit about some of these things, but you, when the, oh god, uh, <laughs> I want to move over <laughs> into into the Patreon. Uh, I call it Patreon. I don't know why. I fucking. I must be like. I, I feel like. I, I, I don't know why I French, do it. You're French. But I call it Patreon. I, <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. Like I'm. 
Yeah, I don't know why. So, but but you have you have you have the the the. And I'll go trip over it. You have the Patreon, which sounds so wrong. Uh-huh. Um, with the Paranormal Museum, and you do the Paranormal Quarantine, uh-huh. and th- th- this is kind of why I want to salute you. It's a, it's a huge success, and folks, the reason why it's a huge success is because these guys, uh, Greg and Dana, and the people that you know that they bring in to do stuff. They fucking work, man. Like, I'm looking at this thing here. This is just your May schedule. You, you, you have something on the 4th, on the 6th, yeah. on the 8th, the 10th, the 13th, the 15th, the 16th. So it's like, and on, 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 on. And it's like, so, you know, I see I see a million of these uh, Patreons. And it's like, uh, I'm always just like, and, and I think that kind of, in a way, contributes sometimes to, like, people who are a little bit feel overlooked or like bitter, sure. Where it's like sure. they, but it's like, look, dude, if you want to have a successful Patreon, you have these guys. Like, you have to put the fucking work in. You can't, you can't just like put out one podcast a week, and or like one blog post every every week or whatever, and and think that sure. people are gonna are gonna give you five bucks a month or whatever. <laughs> that that sure. always kind of like amazed me it's like look at man the reason why you have 31 subscribers to your patreon is because like you don't fucking do anything <laughs> so, so, so like it, it's not a it's not a mystery oh, no man. i mean it's really it's 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 as simple as uh this is our job and we treat it as right. such you know I, I we don't we definitely don't take ourselves seriously i don't think anyone who spends enough time in this community can take themselves very seriously. I mean, we're looking for invisible monsters that no one can find evidence of. Uh, right. That's just the, the, the unfortunate truth about it. Anyone who says otherwise is uh, either a, a university funded parapsychologist uh, or they're lying to you. So, you know, we, we don't take ourselves seriously, but we take what we do very seriously. We're very, very invested in it. And we treat it like a job and we have a schedule that we do our best to stick to. And we, I think the other thing too, the other secret is we're giving people things that they enjoy. It's not just, right. you know, my wife has uh, the, the magic of the month. She just shipped her 50th magic of the month package. And it's a, every wow. single month she spends all month putting together hand crafted magic rituals that help people who are either just getting into the, things like uh, ritual magic or witchcraft um, to people who are old hat at it and just want new stuff or to learn new stuff. She does this every single month and we ship out hundreds of these packages every single month. Um, so, we're, you know, people are just getting something. They're not just getting us saying, thank you. Uh, they're, they're actually getting something in exchange for it. And I think that's part of the secret too, is, is doing things that people care about for people doing stuff that they care about, things that they want to support and they want to see more of, um, and, and uh, you know, being consistent. It's, the, it's, it's really it. Show up. Show up and, yeah. for, you know, actually prove that you care. Prove that you care about the stuff you're doing. And, and, and most importantly, prove that you care about the people who are uh, kind and generous enough to give you their hard-earned money. If exactly. People are I was doing just going to say, you guys do you right by to- your – you do right by your subscribers, so that's oh, a hundred percent. They're the reason that we're able to do what we do for a living. One hundred percent. It's it's because of of the people. Uh, even if they're not members of, of of Patreon, they're people who 
watch Hellier and, and, you know, watch Hellier 11 times. That's, uh, you know, the 10 cents that we get from Amazon uh, is because of those people. So we, we never take that for granted. Right. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that just feel like they deserve money. <laughs> you know, like they just, yeah, I'm going to yeah. start a, I'm going to start a Patreon or I'm going to do a Kickstarter. Or I'm going to do whatever. And they just feel like, well, why aren't people subscribing to this? And they don't, like you said, they put something out like once a month. Somebody better really, right. really like you, you know, it's, they better be like your mom or in your girlfriend, <laughs> because if you're not right, actually right. giving people something, why, you know, why should they be obligated to give you something? Yeah. It's, Especially nowadays, we would talk about the streaming thing where it's just like there's so many people, there's so many places like looking for subscribers that you have to really, you have to do right by the people that subscribe or else they'll just take their money and go subscribe somewhere else. So it's, 100%. yeah, I don't really, uh, absolutely. I never get that uh, from some of these, some of these uh, Patreons. Um, now, this is an interesting question. Well, I want to talk more about the the paranormal quarantine stuff you've been doing, but we're, sure. You and I have similar lives in a way because we both work full time in the in the strange and unusual. So I guess like, what do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this hasn't come up for me in a while because of the pandemic. I don't leave the house, so uh, or I didn't leave the house much, so it hasn't come up in a long, long time. Um, but th- this is sort of an interesting question, just from <laughs> from one professional weirdo to the other. What do you say when people ask you like what you do for a living? Oh, I, I'll just say professional weirdo. <laughs> and then if All they right. want to, if they want to instigate more conversation, I'll I'll go. Well, you know, my wife and I we run a we run a museum of uh, artifacts that are significant to the history of the paranormal and the occult. Um, you know, where I will sometimes say if they if they're having trouble understanding, I'll say we're very very like minor television personalities, so we pop up on TV once in a while doing weird stuff. Uh, but that's, yeah, I, you know, I, th- these days I am way less self-conscious about letting my fleet freak flag fly. I don't really yeah. like who gives a shit. I'm, I'm, I'm near in my forties. If I haven't accepted it by now and I can't be honest with people, <laughs> I got right, other right. problems. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, we, <laughs> we go looking for Bigfoot and stuff like that, but it is always shocking to them. They're like, well, how do you, I mean, how do you do that full time? But that's a whole other story. I mean, it's right. Know, right. We don't have kids. We don't have many big responsibilities. We've structured our lives in such a way. That's the other thing that I think is really fascinating is people. If we're giving out advice tonight, there's a lot of people who always ask me, "How do you guys do this for a living when we're not on a network? We're not on television. Um, how do we do this for a living? We, we're not." You know, I'm definitely not a parapsychologist. I did not graduate college. (laughs) (laughs) I dropped out after a day, literally. I really, uh, I'm always telling them, oh, oh yeah, no, I went, I went for the first day, like orientation. And then I I walked off. I just couldn't do it. I just realized it wasn't really something I was into, but it's the, the, the solution. Like if, if people really want to do stuff like this, it is absolutely possible. People like, you know, people like you, People like us, we are living proof that people can do this. It's not easy, but like, you know, Dan and I live in a, a you know, 600 square foot two bedroom apartment. You know, like we we live very inexpensively. We don't have children. We don't have big responsibilities. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, we 
the yeah. the healthcare plan for being a pro weirdo is pretty much non-existent. <laughs> There's <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff that you sacrifice to do something that you love, and that's just that's just how it is. And sometimes you know it, it's it's tougher than others. Sometimes you eat a lot more you eat a lot more ramen than you do other times. But what I find that's really it, the case is you you sacrifice for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Oh God, yeah, that's yeah. I think about that a lot sometimes because sometimes you see these upstarts, and uh, you know, anytime people kind of like rag on the people that have been around for a while, it's like, dude, I've been in this for like almost twenty years. Like I sacrificed my uh-huh. fucking twenties and my thirties <laughs> to uh-huh. this field. Uh-huh. Like I'm wedded to the fucking paranormal for life now because I've already invested uh-huh. all this time into it. So <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah, I mean that's why I have so much respect for these guys, these long timers. Like to me, it's like it, it's a it's a badge of honor that they've been in this for so long. It's like, damn, dude, you know. Um, but yeah, I find that in a way, I'm not necessarily like embarrassed that this is my full time job, but it's it's like I try to be kind of humble about it because because it, when you tell someone that you do this, it's like it's a really cool fucking job. So so oh, yeah. it's kind of like. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like braggadocious. I always. I always kind of feel. I always kind of like look down and you know, kind of, you know, shuffle my shoes a little bit. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I. I write about Bigfoot and UFOs and you know, aliens and shit. I see what you mean. That's yeah, yeah. No, I, I. I totally. I totally understand that. I don't know. I guess I don't. Yeah. Um. You know, it's uh. I don't really. I don't. It all really depends feel on like who you're talking that. to, but you know. <laughs> I, I I think that's it. I think you know when it's when it's when it's people that are in our field that are are talking about that. I'm I'm definitely <laughs> a little more humble, but I think you. I think just naturally, uh, because there is always sort of that element of being a, a little bit subconscious or or, or self conscious about it. I will uh, maybe overcompensate and be like, oh yeah, no, we're professional weirdos. We you know we do this, we do this, we do this because, you know. When you're talking to somebody who's an investment banker or something like that, it's very yeah. It's you you can feel a little self conscious about what you do for a living. Um, That's but I've true. Never yeah, really yeah, met, it works both ways. I've never. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've I find that when I'm honest about what we do with people, they have nothing but like fascination for it. There's not oh, really yeah, a whole lot sure. of people anymore that are very dismissive about it. I think they're more curious than anything. It causes more interesting conversation than not. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. People either – they want to either know more about it or they want to tell you their – very often they want to tell you their story or their oh, theory. percent You know, or get your take on like – you know, we were joking at the beginning of the show, and I'm really going to go into it, but the UFO thing, it's like that's – I'm kind of <laughs> glad I'm stuck at the house because, like, anyone who knows me knows what I do, and then I'm going to – every person I run into, then they they want your take on what's happening right now. And it's like I don't have time to explain this to you, to you my, my mailman it, or whatever. It is very complicated because uh, there's a lot of people who, you know, they weren't around in the 90s. So they don't remember a lot of the familiar faces that are back and saying familiar things. And how all that's kind of why a lot of the old timers are rolling their eyes and, and people don't realize it. Yeah. But hey, you know it. It is what it is. I, 
I try and uh, always remember what it was like to feel that sense of awe about that stuff when I was yeah, yeah. in the 90s. You know, I try and like put myself in that position because it's very easy to get. And I think that's a problem for a lot of people who've been in the, the field a long time is they, they get pretty jaded about this type of stuff. And Absolutely. You know, my, you know, my feelings about, for, for example, ghosts, because that's what I'm closer to, um, are completely different than they were when I was a kid. And, and they're completely different than I think most people's traditional ideas about ghosts. Like I just, I don't think they're, I don't think it's grandma uh, or, or a demon or anything like that. Yeah. It's a little more nuanced than that. So sometimes it's, it's, I have to try very hard when people are sharing a really uh, uh, emotional heartfelt experience that they've had um, with, with some kind of a ghost uh, and, it, and it was obviously very impactful. I have to remember, kind of put myself in their shoes and remember what it was like to, to feel that way about that stuff and why it was so impactful. And so I think, you know, I'm trying to do a lot of that same thing with UFOs now because they're the, they're the big thing. And I'm trying to remember that awe that I felt back in the day when it was, you know, when disclosure was just around the corner <laughs> in right. the 90s. In the 90s. When I was yeah. a kid. You know? Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, I've I've remarked about this to people too. Yeah, that it's like even if for a long time, it's hard to sort of like generate that sense of wonder that that really kind of first hooked you on a lot of this because you you've seen so for much sure. of everything that it's like really hard. Um, yeah, that was uh, yeah. It, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. Now what? I mean, uh, like think about <laughs> this. Think about yeah. Think about you doing what you do for a living when you were a kid, would you ever have imagined that that would be like, this would be your job, that this would be oh, your no full-time way. job is, is doing this. And, and it's so, it's sometimes, you know, even, even me, I have to remind myself like, holy shit, I'm living my wildest teenager dreams right now. I have to remind yeah. myself for every like frustrating moment that I have, or like every time that I'm like, oh, you know, there's a, another person wants me to look at a picture of an orb or whatever. <laughs> I have to remind myself, dude, you are living your teenage dream. There are yeah. many, many, many alternate timelines where I am a very miserable man in a cubicle somewhere. <laughs> so I have to constantly yeah. remind myself to be so thankful uh, for other people's wonder and being in a position where I can, I can help inspire that type of wonder, you know, like you, the articles that you write, they, they inspire wonder in other people. Um, so it's, you know, it's weird. Yeah, it's, that it's, makes it's sense. About, everything's always about yeah. context, you know? Yeah. That's an interesting way of putting it. The, the, uh, yeah, it's the other people's wonder at this point. Yeah. That's an interesting, that's an interesting take on it for sure. Um, yeah, but you can always like I think with, same with you. It's like you, there's always something that just around the corner, not disclosure, but something just around the corner that's going <laughs> to catch your attention and be like, oh, what is this? You know, that's the uh -huh. great thing about the paranormal. Something will pop up and you'll be like, wait, I mean, look at people. I kind of shit on the, the <laughs> people didn't like the flyer <laughs> stuff that I, I got mixed up in, but it's like. For a while, I was like, "Let me know what is going on with these people. Who are these people? I want to sure. know. What, I don't know. I don't want to know what they're well, doing why? because I'm familiar with all these other groups, and, and sort of went down that rabbit hole for a while. You know, that's the cool part about the and, field. 
and that inspired the other people's wonder inspired wonder in you. And that's sometimes maybe what some of the old guard should should remember, or, or even you know the new guard, people who are cynical about this type of stuff, should remember that you know these this is inspiring wonder in a lot of people. And I think the the fun question about any paranormal thing or anything that's unexplained is why are so many people drawn to this? What is it that makes them want to believe in this particular thing? And so, like, I think you going and hanging out at conferences like Flat Earth conferences and talking to these people, that's fascinating to me because there's something about those people that inspires wonder in you. Maybe not the subject matter. It might might be foolish uh, to, right. to, to educated people. Um, I'm sure that a lot of the stuff that we do and we're invested in is very – I'm not sure. I know that a lot of it is, in, is nonsense to a lot of the world. But it's still – there's something about people being fascinated by a subject matter that is fascinating in and of itself. And uh, that's part of what I'm always really interested in, and that's sort of why I've changed a lot of my opinions on things like paranormal media or even booms like the, the recent you know, UFO – or I, I guess the, the, they're called UAPs now. Well, those types I just of go flags. with Flying Saucer. I'm trying to bring Flying Saucer back. Oh, dude, yes. The euphonauts and flying saucers need to come back. If they can make up weirds like UAP, we can uh, bring back the really cool shit uh, yeah. like, like euphonauts. I think uh, it's, it's more fascinating to me why those things come around, what those things say about the people that are, are so hesitant to either let them go or why they grasp them so hard and what it is about that particular thing at that particular time that that uh is so um needed by by these people it's that's i think that's really really interesting and i think even just the the act of those people being excited about it and and being interested in it and giving it lots of attention shapes the actual phenomena that people experience i'm very big into you know like the uh the george p hansen trickster in the paranormal uh, field of thinking where um, these people are influencing the the paranormal, whether they're sincere about it or not. The people in these communities, um, they're influencing the type of experiences that other people are having very sincerely. That, to me, is fascinating. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, I always like to think, not to get too philosophical, but it's sort of like, I, I do, maybe it's just to make myself feel better sometimes, but it's like, look, at if I drop dead tomorrow or whatever, I wouldn't really – I wouldn't be too disappointed in a sense uh, in this regard where it's like, look, I spent my – I mean, sure, there's lots of things I would have liked to accomplish or whatever, but it's like I spent my life asking the questions. Like I, 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 I put the time the, – the big questions that people don't have time to, to think about because they are in a cubicle. You know what I mean? It's like I sure. I dedicate my life to chasing down this these – you know, who are we? Why are we here? Those are like the questions that, you know, sure. who has time to who has time to to do that anymore? Well, I'm lucky enough that I can, you know. So, uh, well, kinda, and again, yeah, I, I I think even more important than that is you're you're helping to inspire wonder by asking those questions, and and by merely asking those questions, uh, the people that follow you the the audience that you have in, in whatever outlet that you're you know whether you're podcasting whether you're writing whatever it is 
the, the people who pay attention to that, you're helping them ask questions too. And those questions right. lead them to interesting places. And that is really important. And I think that's, you know, that's a responsibility for, for a lot of people. And I don't, I, I, I think a lot of people don't understand that responsibility. We're living in a, a world that gets more and more cynical all the time. And, and why wouldn't it, you know, look around, yeah. why the hell wouldn't people be cynical? Why wouldn't they uh, lose their sense of, of wonder and curiosity? Um, you know, our motto with everything that Dane and I do in, in any of this stuff is, is curiosity over fear. We live in a world that loves fear. Everybody needs to be afraid of everything, anything that's other. And that includes your neighbor. That includes uh, different religious beliefs. That includes different political beliefs. That includes uh, the paranormal. Anything that is the other yeah. is, is automatically to be feared. And man, what a sad state of affairs that is. And we're in a great position uh, to, to, to talk about things that encapsulate the, the wonder of everyone from every political spectrum, from every race, from every country, every religion. People are fascinated by those weird questions, even if it's something that seems yeah. silly, like whether Bigfoot exists or not, you know? Those things right, capture right. the imagination of all types of people, and it's a, it's a place that people can come and uh, be curious if you let them. And that's part of the reason why I get so goddamn frustrated when I see a lot of the way that people talk about this stuff. I, it's not – I mean I see it in the, in the UFO community where it's like, what are these things? Are they a danger? You know, et cetera, et cetera. They pose a, a national security threat. I see right. it in in the paranormal, particularly in ghost stuff, where it's like the you know they're demons and they need to be exercised, and you better have Christ because these things are they only intend you evil, and they're all uh, out to to get your mortal soul. So when I see like entertainment that's all based around that type of stuff, I I start to really understand a lot of the responsibility that people like you and I and others in these communities. In, in positions where people are paying attention to us, the, the type of responsibility we have to, um, to help push people's wonder into a, a space of curiosity and not a space of fear. And, and yeah. you know, I, I, I know you, you're a person who does that. You, know? you, you write about things in a very fun way. You talk about things in a very fun way. Uh, that's a good thing. And, it's lacking in a lot of this very self-serious uh, yeah. sides of, of the paranormal, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's you got to have a sense of humor about this stuff, and, and until you do, uh, you, you're kind of missing out, I think, on part of it. It's like, it's like a, you're supposed to – you're supposed to – people do take this all re really seriously. It's just like uh, I just kind of – they frustrate me, and I feel bad for them. Where it's just like, <laughs> you know, because part of it, too, is like, I think I went through something like a few years. I know I did. Uh, where like a lot. Of, I talked about these old, these legends who like were a big part of the breaking me into this field, like Stan and uh, Jim Mars and Brad Stoger. It's like they all they all died. And, and it's like, yeah. to me, it was like a wake up call where it was like, look, you're not, you know, this is. Like, don't take it too so seriously. 
like that, that, that yeah, getting the answer or whatever is is the most important thing because it's like you you could be gone tomorrow you don't know so just just enjoy the ride in a way you know I think that's a, that's a, exactly the point and for a lot of people like the thing is people are all gonna always come to their own conclusions the paranormal is a very subjective thing two people can experience the same event at the same time and walk away you know sometimes literally seeing something completely different or feeling something completely different. Uh, and, and I think that's part of the point with the paranormal personally. My personal opinion is that a lot of paranormal phenomena, whether it's you know, uh, Bigfoot or, or UFOs or, or ghosts in particular, um, they're things that, that are – people don't walk away from those things unchanged usually. If right, they really right. sit there and they think about it, 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 it has a habit of pushing people into new phases of their lives uh, or even new phases of thinking. They become new people uh, a lot of times after experiencing stuff like this. And I think that's part of the point is to make us ask questions and to make us be curious. And, you know, if you can, if you can stop being scared of the ghost in your attic – and you can instead go, I'm going to see if I can find out what the ghost in my attic wants. You can do right. the same thing for your neighbor who believes something that's different than you believe. You can go talk to them and see what they feel about something and maybe make friends with them. If you can make friends with a ghost, <laughs> you can make friends <laughs> with your neighbor who has a different religion than you. You know? Yeah. That's a <laughs> – what an uplifting uh... – <laughs> uplifting message. Now I talked about this with with, uh, Te- with Tenny when he was on the show, um, uh-huh. and I, I don't think it ever came up. Before. This is like the first time it ever came up uh, on my show or whatever. But like, you've done a lot of these ghost hunts and everything. Have you? Is there any? Have you noticed any difference? You never see the TV shows. We, it's obvious why, but you never see the TV shows doing anything in the daytime. Um, right. Have you done anything? Have you ever done anything in the daytime, and have you noticed any difference? Oh yeah, all the time. I, I think the di- I think the only difference is you know set and setting is always very I- important for a, you know anything that you do. It's always going to change the tone. Um, yeah. But I don't think there's any real real difference in in the type of stuff that you get. You know, it's spookier. It's more fun to to ghost hunt in the dark. But I think, you know, I think the, the practical reason for doing a lot of this stuff in the dark is that's naturally when, you know, there's less traffic. There's not people wandering right. around these buildings. There's not people outside yelling. You can, uh, you can focus a lot of your senses a lot better. A lot of the stuff that, you know, that, that Dana and I do and even, the, the, you know, the hellier guys, uh, the stuff that we do involves a lot of sensory deprivation to try and, and heighten, you know, potential uh, uh, latent psychic senses, six senses, things like that. Um, and so the dark is naturally good for things like that. So I, I think that's sort of intuitively why most people do that. But, you know, truthfully, it's probably just because it's spookier. And that's really what right, people right. want. They just want to have a good time. But definitely, I've done ghost hunting during the daytime, for sure, stuff. Um, yeah, it, it just it's harder to pay attention during the day, I think. That makes sense. Um now tell me about this. Uh, talk these are, for the folks who were wondering about this Patreon. Uh, they do all kinds of cool shit on here. 
Um, and I'm uh, looking at the May ones. It's like, so last month, I mean April, we took you Bigfoot hunting in the forest of Ohio, studied handwritten messages from beyond the grave, and experimented with a spirit-summoning artifact from Somerset, Kentucky. All interesting stuff. I want to, there's a few of these I want to touch on, but first I want to know about this Brian Geisen's dream machine. So you did, you did some experiments with this, uh, on the, on the Patreon? Yeah. Some of the moldy oldies might know what we're talking about here, but uh, it's essentially this is something sort I've never of, heard uh, of. Uh, so it is beyond my uh, the coolest reach, dude. It is the coolest thing. I'm all in. I'd never used one before now, but um, one of the things that we do with our Patreon is we have a book club, and so we'll pick different books and we'll read them, and it's um, you know books that I've really enjoyed. And I think people will get a lot out of. And so the last book that we read was uh, a book by Peter Berbergall called Strange Frequencies. And it's a book that's all about devices used to uh, speak with the other side or to uh, enter altered states and have metaphysical experiences. So there's all kinds of crazy devices uh, discussed in it. Really, really cool book. There's some people in it that um, are, are even friends of mine that I've had the pleasure of getting to know. Uh, but one of the things that he talks about is uh, the dream machine. And uh, Brian Geisen was an old beat poet from back in the day. And he was on a bus once. And he had his eyes closed and he had his head propped up against the window falling asleep. And you know, you know how when you have your eyes closed and you're in a moving car and the sun's shining down through the, you know, the trees, it kind of creates that flicker effect, right? And you can kind of right, see that right. flicker through your eyelids. Well, it had this uh, sort of hypnotic effect on him, and he believed that there was something about the way that that worked that sent him to an altered state. And so he got together with an engineer and other artists, and he said, we have to figure out a way to replicate this effect. What they ended up creating was uh, they took a, a, a record player and a piece of cardboard, and they cut out particular patterns to replicate uh, that particular frequency so that when you drop a light down into the middle of this thing, this, this cardboard tube with all the holes in it, and it's spinning on a 78 record player, replicates this perfect uh, flicker pattern so that when you put your face next to it and you have your eyes closed, uh, you will start to have essentially a drugless trip. We might know this stuff now these days as like brain entrainment devices, and these things are nothing new. Um, there's, a, there's a couple old things. If people read the backs of the old Fate magazines, they used to have these hypnosis machines. Uh, that were made yeah. by the Snyder Instrument Company, uh, and those they have flashing lights on them that that puts your brain in a, uh, either a, a slower state or sometimes a higher state, an alpha state, depending on, on what you want. Well, these dream machines put your brain in an alpha state, and they started to use these these flicker machines to have these drugless highs, and they really like Brian Geisen believed that it was the end of art because these things let people see what was already inside their minds. And they started to use huh. these types of machines for everything from uh, trying to channel aliens to, to trying to enter states where they could uh, you know, see spirits and things like that. So we decided let's build one of these as a group 
and we we put the instructions out there and all these different members of the museum busted out the old 78 record players in their basements or went to thrift stores and got them and then we all used the plans and created our own versions of them and then we sat down and we would have these different experiments where we would combine it with uh, for example, the Estes method that people might know from Hellier, um, the with the the uh, headphones and the radio, yep. we we did that. But instead of having our our faces blindfolded, we would stare at the dream machine, and it just was bizarre. You you'd get the craziest messages from the ether. You'd experience like really strong visuals. Um, almost remote viewing level stuff, and uh, that's that's what we were doing with those those experiments, and we're still we're still playing with some of that stuff. But that's uh, that's what we were doing with the with the Dream Machine, very old, low tech equipment that, uh, as far as I know, has never really been used for any kind of a paranormal investigation tool. Uh, but man, the the implications of it are really fascinating because. Uh, you know, the, the longer that we do this, the more we start to think that the final frontier of paranormal research really is consciousness. It's the mind and how the mind is sort of the the engine that uh, produces paranormal phenomena and, and allows us to engage with it and sync up with it. So I'm yeah. very, very into devices like Brian Geisen's dream machine that alter our states uh, and let us experience the world in a different way and seeing how that affects our paranormal experiences. That's what that was all about. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, the, now the other one I saw that I was, I was laughing about cause uh, I'm sure you, you'll laugh when I met it. So you ate, you put one of these things, these Bigfoot <laughs> pheromone, you put, you put one in your mouth. So, these yeah. things for people who don't know, and you can kind of you can clean up my my crappy version, but it's like some kind of some kind of like tab of of paper or whatever. It's like a, a thing, it's a substance uh, that it's supposed to be Bigfoot pheromones. Somehow it's like <laughs> these are bioengineered. Yeah, here it is. A bio, you would say it's a bioengineered Sasquatch pheromone attractant. Um, uh-huh. so, so first of all, what, 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 what is this? Like a little piece of paper and who the fuck made this thing? Because I would like so, to know. <laughs> there's a lab. Like how do you, actual... I know I've heard it's of them. The, I've seen them. It's, it's, there's a, there's a lab out in Missouri and they've been, I mean, they used to do this stuff just privately. So a lot of, of cryptozoologists, Bigfoot researchers, you know, one of their beliefs about Bigfoot, uh, particularly the flesh and blood people, is they believe that Bigfoot yeah. is uh, uh, some somewhere between a, a, a human and a primate. And so what they did is they asked a lab to make a uh, scent chip, like a pheromone chip, which these are nothing new. Any, If any of your uh, listeners are hunters, they'll know you, you can use yeah. these pheromone chips. They're these like plastic – these like bright orange plastic chips and um, they, they last for like three weeks. You put them down, you know, downstream. And so the wind catches it and uh, it'll attract deer or whatever you're trying to attract to your your hunting site. Um, So they, they mixed human uh, pheromones with primate pheromones to create something sort of in between 
And then they started giving them to different Bigfoot hunting expeditions. Um, I think one of the most famous ones that used the chips were uh, the Skookum expedition that got the really famous Skookum cast, which is sort of like a giant cast of a Bigfoot laying down, allegedly. And uh, they've been used to great effect. They've been on all kinds of different documentaries and stuff like that. And so we grabbed some and we were using them for one of the live streamed Bigfoot hunts that we were doing with the, the Patreon members. And mm-hmm. during, during the Patreon stream, like here's the thing about these, these chips. You can, I think a, a seven or eight of them you can buy from their website. It's like 35 bucks or something. So they're not super cheap. But when you get them, you cannot have these things in your house. They reek to high heaven. It is like uh, Bigfoot ball cheese. Disgusting. <laughs> and it's so strong. It will permeate everything. It, uh, truly, like, like a, a vinegary, yeah. really nasty, nasty cheese. Uh, and so we were remarking about how disgusting these were and how we were trying not to touch them with our hands when we were putting one of them in the tree. And uh, one of the one of the Patreon members in the live stream chat said, "Greg, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you put that in your mouth." And I laughed <laughs> and I said, "I said uh, no way." And then I thought about it and I was like, "Well, one of our favorite charities is the Malaika charity, um, and there's a whole backstory as to why I really like this charity. But they're a charity that's um, they're a non-religious." charity in the central Congo that focuses on uh, young women uh, giving opportunities to young women in the central Congo, building, um, building, you know, digging wells there, uh, building community yeah. centers, things like that. Female led non-religious, which is very difficult to find uh, in, in, in a lot of these areas. Uh, they're, they're my favorite charity. And so I said, you know, we typically we have an, an idol in the museum that we travel with that's from the central Congo and people have sort of started leaving money and uh, they leave offerings to this idol as we travel around the country. And we're always trying to figure out what to do with this money because we wanted to do something, you know, we didn't want to do anything selfish with it. So we found this charity and every year we donate all the money that people have have uh, uh, given as an offering to this charity in the central Congo where this that statue is from. And then we match it. Well, obviously because of COVID we haven't had any, uh, any money to donate or to match. Uh, and this I thought was a perfect opportunity to make up for that. So I said, okay, tell you what, if you guys as a community, as a chat, if you all donate collectively a thousand dollars to the Malaika foundation, um, and you know, email me your proof. The way that we did it is uh, <laughs> people would donate on their website in memoriam to Greg's taste buds. If they <laughs> did $1,000 of that collectively, I would do another live stream where I put one of these disgusting things in my mouth, these disgusting biological agents in my mouth. And this is, this is how great this community really is. The, 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 this community raised seven thousand dollars. <laughs> wow! So they're both very, very kind and uh, want to see me sadistically tortured. So <laughs> I set up this uh, this stream and uh, I put one of these disgusting things in my mouth and pretty much lost my taste for three days. 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it was horrible. We couldn't This is what's so funny. I we did it in the backyard and we're in Cincinnati, so it's not much of a backyard to speak of, but we did it in the backyard. And uh, I did it wearing a Bigfoot costume that I don't think I can ever yeah, wear again now. <laughs> but I lost my sense of taste for like three days because the thing was so terrible. But the funnier thing was after we did this, all of the dogs in the neighborhood lost their shit for days. They were just really? freaking out like I've never heard them freak out before, probably because they're like, Holy shit, there's a monster in the neighborhood. I've got to warn everybody. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to get some of these and throw them around my backyard or something. You should try it. I mean, it, it, they're like 35 bucks <laughs> for a little uh, can Why of not? like uh, seven or eight of them. Hey. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So you <laughs> can't – is there any way you can even describe mouth. what this – because I, I had well, a spray here that was like – you spray it around. It had to be some kind of like synthetic animal urine. And I imagine sure. it was what, what, what you taste was something along those lines because I remember that was probably the most horrid like smell. And, you know, when you spray it in the air, you, get, you know, it becomes a taste. So it's like – and well, it was – yeah, it was you know horrifying. It was? And I remember it's, it lasts forever. I uh, I bet it was probably very similar. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there's literal fucking animal piss in this thing, which is twice as disgusting. But it was uh, <laughs> it was so strong. You you, you know like uh, like ammonia, like smelling ammonia or smelling salts. You know how it does that yeah, thing where yeah. it just like blasts your nasal cavities. It does the same exact thing when you when you smell it clo- too close. It'll sting and make your eyes water. But it's very like it was very vinegary, um, very stingy, and ha- had a uh, like the taste was just chemical. There wasn't really I, I didn't really have much of a taste. Right. But every time I would yeah. I would breathe, if I got any of that into my throat, it had the same effect as like a smelling salt, where it just like made my eyes uh, scream oh, in pain. Um, but it, it worst worst smelling thing ever. It just very strange, very uh, particular funk. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Because I had seen those. I, I that's why I like you guys so much. Yeah, because I had seen seen those things. You're very much <laughs> like kind of of the absurd, absurd. Uh, you know, pranksterish, willing to. I, I think that's part of this my dismay sometimes with the community because like people probably think I don't take things seriously or not. It's just like, look at dude, I'm, I, you know, I'm very lucky and I'm, so I have a happy go lucky attitude about a lot of this shit. And it's like, yeah. um, I'm not afraid to look like an ass. You know what I mean? It's like, I can, <laughs> right. I, it, it's fine. The if people think I, you the, know, the, the, a lot of these people are like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the regional director of Bigfoot country or whatever and it's like or or whatever it's like they i they i can't have people laughing at me it's like ah oh, dude fucking ha- just you know dude, show your already. ass life has is more fun <laughs> the the ironic part about all of that and you're 100% right about it but the ironic part about all of that is to normal people you already look like an ass 
to right, normal people, exactly. they're already going, oh, wow, look at this moron who believes in this big monster that plays hide-and-seek with everybody. So if you don't have a sense of humor, this is the thing. If you can have a sense of humor about what you do and what you're interested in, then you're in on the joke with everybody else. You know? Exactly. If you're exactly. not, if you don't have a sense of humor about it, you're not in on the joke. And the thing is, people are going to laugh either way. You might as well be laughing with them. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. So, uh, well, we're nearing the end here. So, you got a lot of stuff going on at the, uh, looking at your thing. So, what, what do you, what do you, what do you have planned, you know, for the rest of, uh, for going into the summer, I guess. That's probably the best, <laughs> that's the best way to put it. What do you have, what do you guys have planned? Well, uh, I think, you know, the, the, the biggest change in, in our schedule is the fact that, you know, we're, we're now we're fully vaccinated finally. Uh, and you know, the world is starting to open up again. So we're going to start doing some, uh, some actual in real life events with the traveling museum. So we'll be, we'll be set up at a couple different events. People can check, uh, check our website. We'll have that updated here pretty soon, but, um, we'll be traveling with the museum um, we're still going to keep doing the paranormal quarantine schedule that we've been doing with the museum. So there's going to be stuff every few days, uh, as far as the eye can see. Um, we're going to be getting back together with, uh, Carl and Connor and Tyler and, uh, doing some more shooting for a, a, a documentary project that, uh, you know, the plan was to have it out this year, whether or not that happens yet, I think is to be determined, but, um, you know, there's more, more Hellier Universe uh, content coming very soon. And um, there's actually, like, the craziest, weirdest, most out-of-left-field television appearance we've ever done coming at some point later this year. Uh, to the, truly, no one would ever guess what this thing is. It is beyond bizarre, and it's with... Uh, it's with one of the biggest, <laughs> one of the, the biggest celebrities who has ever existed. It is unbelievable. I can't believe we've kept our mouths shut about it as long as we have. But uh, I think people are going to be very surprised and very, very entertained by what this thing is. <laughs> wow, that's quite a tease. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's truly, truly crazy. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off air. It's bizarre really bizarre all right well i'm, I'm <laughs> all right well after i wrap up the show get ready because i'm calling you back because now i have to know uh, okay all right <laughs> i have to know what this is um so that's all right <laughs> all right i was gonna ask you that we we i invited data on the show but she she has other stuff going on so uh, I don't want anyone to think uh, that <laughs> that I uh, oh, they did my own show. I wanted to ask. What? Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say she's a she's she's a, a me, media adverse. <laughs> right. I didn't want to say. No I didn't want to say that. But, um, but I did. I I did want to ask. This came up in my head while we were doing the the show. Uh, has she? Because I think when you we were talking about like. Uh, how we, you know, you never could have expected this to be your life or whatever. Has she ever heard yeah. from the from the other girly ghost hunters? Like, do we know what became oh, yeah. of the other girly ghost hunters? Oh yeah, no, they're they're all her family. 
so yeah, her her sister, uh, Corey, she's uh, she just oh, had a kid. Oh, see, They're, I didn't know her sister. See, okay, I for, I, I, I must have been yeah. told this when we first talked originally, but I forgot that. Okay. No, they uh they they all keep in touch. Um, you know, they're all they all live very normal lives these days. So nobody's still. We're Dana's the all, the one uh, carrying the torch. Everybody else, they they live very normal lives. Children in the suburbs, and uh, they're very fine with that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, that's kind of what. Yeah, interesting. And what about your? Yeah. Didn't you have like a crew when you first got into this? Oh yeah. Like are they are Ghost they still around, or are they all kind of? <laughs> are they all I, moved I, on? I think I'm the only one, man. I'm the only one still going. Everybody grew up. Everybody, everybody else grew up. They all got families and jobs and kids and responsibilities, and I'm still chasing invisible monsters. Don't want to grow up. I'm kind of yeah. I'm kind. I have a similar relationship. Uh, yeah, a buddy of mine. We when we we first got in when I first got into this, he was into it too, and uh, we used to go <laughs> out for coffee and shit and talk about this. And so the joke would be, we would have it. There would be like an empty chair at the thing. We would joke it was for Stanton Friedman. I don't know. I was just big yeah. Stan Friedman fans. So this was like b- before I ever did anything. So, so like I always joke with him about it. I'm, you know, because Stan and I ended up becoming really good friends and shit. So it's like, holy shit, this really happened. This is crazy. But yeah, he's he's crazy. moved on. You know, he's moved on in life and has kids and a job. And and uh, he's the guy for the people who are listening. He's the guy that does the you know, ladies and gentlemen, but all of America or whatever. He he recorded that. Oh, cool. Uh, when I first started the show, yeah. So it was, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. And I get texts from him like, "What is this? What what the hell is going on with this stuff now?" And, da, 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 da. and it's like, "Oh, dude, I don't even, I don't even want to get into it with you, man." <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, I you you keep a pretty busy schedule, so I'm not going to try and drag uh, more time out of you because, uh, I, I, like, I'm looking at this thing. You did a thing last night. You guys are doing a thing tomorrow night, so it's like, uh, as I joked with you uh, when we were setting up the show, like, I'm always, I'm very often like, oh, I don't get invited on any shows, but then when I get invited on a show, then it's like, ah, oh, shit, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do shit now for two, I gotta be entertaining for, for two hours, like, fuck, what am I, hey, what man, am I gonna you're, do? You're you're one of the few people uh, I will I will always uh, answer when you call. Uh, I'll always, uh, any chance I get to come and hang out on the show, I'll be here. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, when I'm hoping that you're, I assume you've been up in this area a few times, so we got to cross paths uh, sometime uh, eventually. I hung out with Kenny. He probably like told you I'm a fucking crazy asshole. So I don't know. I don't know what if he said anything uh, yeah, about me, but Kenny, yeah, it was a pretty wild, uh, can't say that. wild weekend in Portland. <laughs> he's he's one he's one to talk. No, he can't he can't. Well, call he and I, yeah. Asshole. Well, he and I, yeah, call, yeah. We we went in search of trouble essentially in in, in Portland. I we were bad. We we were a combustible co- combination. I think it was like <laughs> oh no, because we're very similar, very very similar. I love it. Uh, yeah. Oh man! All right. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll say good night. I am gonna call you in a minute after I say after I end the show. So just to it. find out what this thing is. But uh, I'll, I'll let Do you. It. I'll let you get going, and uh, I'll wrap up in all of America. And uh, thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate it. What folks don't know is, and again, it's like you, 
fucking talk about like gatekeepers and shit, but it's like I just call I just cold called Greg like Wednesday and was like, Look, what are you doing Friday? I I, I you know, I'm I, it's not, I want you to come on the show. It's, it's like, hey, you know, and, and really put him on the spot and he you know, you could have been like, Hey man, I got this, that or the other thing but but here you are and, and uh I really appreciate that on such a last minute request and everything you came on came on the program. So uh it means dude, a lot, man. It's I always really a blast. It. Anything for you, dude. All right. I will uh I'll be watching for the new stuff and uh folks check out the uh the Patreon. It's really as I said, they do write by their subscribers, so um you can't go wrong with uh with their stuff. So all right, brother. Have a good night. Thanks, man. You too. There you go, folks. That was uh Greg Newkirk. That was a fun conversation. That was one that uh what I I don't know if people could tell or whatever, but like I didn't really Really didn't have any sort of set notes or anything on that one, um, except I knew I wanted to ask him about the Bigfoot uh, pheromone thing. <laughs> I love that he wore a Bigfoot costume too. See, that's that's uh, that that's a that's a banal move. That's something I would do for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. It's kind of fourth wall smashing, which is uh, which is what we like to do here on Banal of America. Um, now, on the next edition of the show. Memorial Day weekend, I don't want to say for certain, but if I were to venture a guess, I would say this is the end, uh, next week's show, I mean, is the end of this this mini-series, the spring sessions. Um, because, uh, as I said, I'm compiling a list of, of people I want to talk to. Uh, I, I guess I really... Probably a better way of putting this, in a sense, is that um, I'm, this whole period was kind of like me flying by the seat of my pants and just calling my friends, like I did to Greg, uh, in the middle of the week, and just catching up and having conversations with them and, and seeing what they've been up to. Uh, and and we're going to be doing that next week as well. Uh, so it's a different kind of it's a different kind of show, I guess you could say. Um, than what I might be doing in the summer, because then you gotta, you, you know, these are people you don't know, so you have to book them in advance, um, and you know you gotta dig into their stuff. So it's a, it's, it's complicated. I think this makes sense. Uh, <laughs> there's no one here to answer me, so, but that, that's kind of the deal. So essentially, uh, what I'm envisioning. Is that we'll wrap it up uh, next week with Jeremy Vaney. He's coming back on the show. He's got a his. He had a new book coming out when we talked to him last uh, in July. The book's been out. Uh, I have a copy of it. I haven't read it yet. Probably going to read it this weekend. Um. So yeah, Jeremy Vaney will be on next Friday night, 9 p.m. Uh, I guess you could call it. I'm kind of like just coming up with this off the top of my head right now, folks. But, yeah, so we'll wrap it up with that next week, and I'll probably take a few weeks off to start putting the pieces into place for uh, these interviews in the summer. And uh, I don't want to, like, say, oh, then we'll be back on a certain date or whatever, because, um, like, I found over the years that as, as soon as I say something's going to happen on a certain day, it almost never does and it almost always takes like two more days. 
So if I were to say we'll be back June 30th, it's not going to happen. So so I, I curse myself. So don't don't uh, you know don't worry. I got a lot of I got a lot of people I want to talk to and uh, interesting topics to explore. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, so next week we'll we'll send you off into Memorial Day weekend with Jeremy Vaney talking about uh, his new book, which I don't have in front of me, so I can't tell you the title. Um, but you'll be hearing it a lot next week. So what do you want from me? Uh, thanks to a lot of them left the chat, so I can't see them anymore. But uh, Jim Lydica, Jim Vujovic, Zach Copley, uh, Chris uh, up in Canada, and uh, a few other folks uh, who were in the chat. Uh, we had a hop in chat room uh, this week. And uh, thanks to the folks who tuned in live. Really uh, appreciate you uh, listening. And to the folks listening on MP3, I feel I just I feel so bad, you know I got to get it together. I'm still really slow on getting these MP3s out. Um, I still, as of this moment, I just finished talking to Greg Newkirk. I still haven't put the Mark Sargent episode up yet. So yeah, I don't know why I even say this shit at the end of this episode. These episodes because by now you've already by now you're caught up. So I should just shut up and uh, I want to I <laughs> and 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 get to work on catching you up, right? So on that note. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for your uh, tremendous support of Been All of America. You're the best. I think you're the best audience out there, but I'm a little bit biased. But thank you for listening. Until next week, this is Tim Benall. 